College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. And, you know, it's hard to satisfy greed by lending people money who can't pay it back. Now, President Bill Clinton used race to create this reckless lending policy that eventually brought down the U.S. economy, known as the Great Recession, which hit during the Obama administration, making sure that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were loaning people based on their race, not on their ability to pay. Now, Joe Biden's following in those footsteps, basically paying people to stay home and not to work. Or... Is this just a backdoor way to artificially inflate wages by forcing employers to pay more than unemployment does? See, if it's easier for me to stay home collecting unemployment, then if you want me to actually work, you're going to have to pay me more. Is this an AOC type scheme to increase the wages to what she likes to call a living wage? Well, Joe Biden says that that's not the case. Now, I think this is an interesting problem that we have on our hands because, of course, people are getting, at least in some of the big cities and big states, like uh, in New York State, for example, I think people get a standard 450 and then they're getting the additional 600 and when that runs out, they'll get an additional 300 instead of the additional 600 and that's 1050 a week. So if you're working in a restaurant, maybe making six, 700 bucks a week, it makes sense for you to stay home. Now, Biden says that that is not necessarily the case, that people aren't just staying home. We're going to make it clear that anyone collecting unemployment who is offered a suitable job must take the job or lose their unemployment benefits. There are a few COVID-19 related exceptions, so the people aren't forced to choose between their basic safety and a paycheck. But otherwise, that's the law. I know there's been a lot of discussion since Friday, since Friday's report, that people are being paid to stay home rather than go to work. Well, we don't see much evidence of that. That is a major factor. We we don't see that. that, Look, it's easy to say the, the line has been because of the generous unemployment benefits that it's a major factor in labor shortages. Americans want to work. Americans want to work. So is this a grand scheme from the Biden administration to say, hey, you know what? We are going to push up the cost of labor in the United States by making it very easy to stay home. 
big question is, how the hell do you do that? How do you get a, a restaurant that's already charging X, Y, and Z for a steak to charge that much more for the same biste? How are people going to do that? I don't think it's going to work. This is, to me, a mistake of catastrophic proportion. And this is why some people are proposing re-employment bonuses. I'm looking at this piece in hotair.com by Jazz Shaw. It says, despite the best efforts of our friends in the mainstream media to deny it, this is a trend that we've been tracking for more than a month now. As the pandemic fades and employers reopen their doors, many are finding it hard to bring back their previous workers or attract new qualified applicants. It's been reported in South Carolina and in Massachusetts. Many of the former workers who have been interviewed and have admitted that federally enhanced unemployment benefits are simply too good to walk away from, particularly when their old jobs may not be around if another surge in COVID opens up. So what happens? Now the problem is showing up in Chicago. And one economist has this plan. Perhaps the government should offer cash bonuses to people who are willing to go back to work, says Diane Schazenbach, director of the Institute for Policy Research at Northwestern University. She doesn't think the $300 a week federal enhancement should be terminated. Instead, she's proposed the adoption of a reemployment bonus. This is interesting. Where the government gives you two grand if you got a job right now. So you get this 2000 lump sum plus the job that you're getting. And she goes on to explain the ins and outs of it. But I'm thinking, is this what we have to do now? <laughs> the government now has to say, hey, we're going to pay you to go back to work. That's crazy. I mean, obviously, we're creating a problem. We're giving away money that we don't have to give. And I've talked about this before, but it just boggles the mind. And when I tell people in conversation, they're like, nah, 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 you're kidding, right? Like, I mean, I have some friends that went the wrong way. You know, decided to get into selling drugs and life on the street and all that after we got out of high school. Or they got out of high school before I did. And I, I bumped into one of my buddies uh, this weekend, had lunch with him. And, and he, I was telling him, look, did you know that if people were in jail, so you had to have been convicted and you had to have been an illegal alien in New York, but if you were an illegal alien in New York or in jail during the first stimulus package, you can get up to 27 grand. His jaw almost hit the floor. He was like, you mean you don't got to rob anybody? <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, they're just giving it away. This is the problem I think that we face as a society where socialism in many ways is literally being spoon-fed to us and there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. This is how you make an oligarchy. This is how you start giving out money. You build a base. The money runs out. Everybody becomes poor equally. It's an equal system of poverty with very few at the top that get to hold on to their money. Namely, the ruling class, the political class, the bourgeoisie, if you will. This is the problem that we have. Yet, Jen circled back Pasaki, she says, no, 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 that's not the case. Because unemployment benefits are not a major driver for people that aren't working right now. Check this out. On the economy, so employment only rose by about 266,000 jobs in April out of 7.4 million or so job openings. How does the White House know? that people are just choosing not to apply for jobs because the extra unemployment benefits are so good. Well, first, let me say that 
we have looked at the data, and Secretary Yellen referred to this on Friday, or talked about this on Friday, we don't see um, much evidence that the extra unemployment uh, insurance is a major driver in uh, people not rejoining the workforce. We actually see the data uh, and uh, our analysis shows that uh, lack of vaccination, the lower rate, which is why I referred to the data and the week that it was taken, it has an impact. Child care has an impact. Schools reopening has an impact. But there is also the need to pay a livable working wage. And that's one of the reasons the president will talk about that this afternoon. But as Bank of America economists who are cited in a Bloomberg story say, anybody making less than $32,000 a year is better off financially just taking the unemployment benefit. So is the White House creating an incentive just to stay home? Well, again, uh, the majority of economists uh, internally and externally of the White House don't feel that unemployment insurance, something that was done um, at a time where to help unemployed people get through a very difficult economic downturn during a pandemic, is a, is the, a major driver in, uh, in our unemployment data, that there are other factors, bigger factors, that were contributing, have been contributing to the numbers we saw on Friday. That's what we're working to address. Uh, and that's where we think our solution should be focused. So kudos to Steve Ducey for asking Jen Pacircleback Pasaki, Silent P, of course, that poignant question. But if all these economists in the White House don't agree that it's unemployment insurance that's keeping people out of work, then should we presume that it's Biden's failed policies on the economy otherwise, his inability to attract job growth, the expected million jobs from the, uh, what he talked about before from Friday's report that expected a million new jobs and it ended up getting something like 260 some odd thousand? Biden missed it by a landslide. He dropped the ball big time. So, I mean, that's the problem we've got now. Yet, interestingly, the cost of food is going up. You get less food, you pay more money. You get less gas, you pay way more money. On top of that, there's all sorts of, um, I don't want to call them threats because they're, I think they've gone beyond threats, but there's aggression from so many of our... Um, enemies and there's you know false praise from the nato people but actual allies that have been neck and neck with us in the thick of it in the middle east are under attack and biden and blinken say absolutely nothing so when we come back i want to talk about what's going on with this cyber attack the united states is attacked biden and blinken basically say um well uh uh, everybody's got to behave. Everybody's got to behave. Meanwhile, this colonial pipeline is shut down. I'm going to give you the scoop on that. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. What's up, America? Welcome back. Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez with an S on all social media. And we're talking about oil right now. Oil is super expensive. And it's under attack. The United States is under attack. There's a cyber gang that has hacked the Colonial Pipeline. And now gas stations are running out of fuel following this attack. You've got gas stations in cities all across America, from Texas to Jersey, saying, we don't have any more gas. 7% of the stations in Virginia had run out of gas by 11 o'clock Central Time on Monday. 
At the same time, over 2% of stations in North Carolina and 1.5% of stations in Georgia and Florida and half a percent of stations in South Carolina had no gas. A very small portion of stations in Alabama also ran out of fuel. And that's because of this cyber attack where ransomware was used to hack the Colonial Pipeline. This is according to the FBI, where this cyber gang used a ransomware known as DarkSide to hack the pipeline. So now it's costing everybody money. Now people say, well, that's got nothing to do with Biden. That has everything to do with the Russians. It's not like Putin hasn't been flexing on Biden for, I don't know, ever since he got inaugurated. Joe Biden's weakness and feebleness is endangering America, period. And we've got to do better. But the problem here is that they say gas prices are going up and it's this and it's that. But the government says, at least Jennifer Granholm, energy secretary to Joe Biden, she was on CNN and she says that, well, it's COVID's fault, you see. It is the problem related to the pandemic that gasoline prices are high. Now, we've had this pandemic for 14 months, but that's irrelevant in her opinion. The the real problem with gas prices, they were very low under Trump and we had a pandemic then, but that didn't matter. What matters now, Granholm says, is that it's gas prices going up because of COVID. Check this out. Republicans on the Hill are blaming your energy policies. To remind our viewers, you're you're the energy secretary. Energy policies from the Biden administration for driving up gas prices. Prices are about 50 cents higher per gallon today than when President Biden took office. Beyond whether or not you think that that your policies are to blame, are you worried that the prices could impact whether or not Americans travel, which is, of course, needed to put money back into the economy? People need to travel, right. But we need to get the virus under control first. We need to get to that 70%. We need to get to herd immunity. You know, why why have gas prices gone up? Could that be because of the virus itself as well? Is it, I mean, everything is tied together. (laughs) I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. That's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. Secretary Granholm should be ashamed of herself. And I got to tell you, I'm a little bit insulted because she's trying to, not trying, she's just insulted our intelligence collectively. And she really thinks Americans are stupid. And we're not. Anyway. Now, I got a, uh, a note from John Katsimatidis. He's an oil magnate himself. He's the owner of United Metro Energy, and it's a refinery out in Pennsylvania. And there's a couple of updates to this, which I think are sort of encouraging. While the main lines have been hacked and shut down, there are other lines, secondary lines, that are up and running under manual control for a limited time. So these... Um, These reports are coming in as of Tuesday, 10.42 in the morning. The pipeline's currently operating under manual control for a limited period of time while there is existing inventory available. Colonial Pipeline said in its latest update, the main lines remain down, but Colonial has been able to start some of the smaller lateral lines between terminals and delivery points. Now they're out of Georgia. They're going to continue to evaluate the product inventory in storage tanks at their facilities and others along with their system. And they're making sure that they can push this stuff out to shippers to move these products to terminals for local delivery. 
Their latest Transport 4 bulletin sent Monday evening. Pipeline said that its shipper nomination scheduling and inventory system is down and nomination changes and additions can't be accepted at this time. The company said it'll advise shippers when they can resume. It's a tough situation for a lot of people, including potentially me the next time I go to get gas and you. Now, Colonial said it will continue to work with third-party cybersecurity experts, law enforcement, and other federal agencies as the pipeline operator plans a phased restart. Earlier today, Colonial said that it has a goal of restoring operations by the end of this week. But barges are expected to land with gasoline in Norfolk and Baltimore, Maryland. So stand by for that. Several refineries also reduced operations with the pipeline being down to 440,000 barrels per day and just massive uh, reduction here. And this really, really sucks for America. And of course, we can't blame Biden. I guess we'll figure out a way to blame Trump for this. This is the problem here. And of course, with scarcity, gas is going to continue to go even further up. So it makes you think, who do you think would be responsible for an attack on a pipeline named Colonial? Who's always attacking the colonialists? It's not the liberty-loving Latinos. <laughs> it's not the constitutionalists. It's not the Tea Party. I think you could figure this one out. This, to me, sounds like a very convoluted way to get the result that they want. To drive up the price of gas. To attack the um, fossil fuel industry. And get people to buy these Chinese-made batteries for these uh, electric cars. I don't know. Call me crazy. Again, it's not conspiracy. To me, it's more dirty business. People want a result, and they're going to do what they can to get there. Not to mention, Biden is weak. So you combine the opportunity with the weakness, and you get a very aggressive Russia taking advantage of the United States, just like China when they came here and they insulted Biden to his face, or at least to Secretary Blinken's face, saying, I'm sorry, sir, you, you don't have the right to speak that way because you cannot negotiate from a position of strength. Imagine that, telling the United States uh, foreign minister, the Secretary of State, you cannot negotiate from a position of strength. That's the situation that Joe Biden has gotten us into since January 20th. I mean, you wouldn't think it's been that long but it, or that short of a time. January 20th, February 20th, March 20th, April 20th, May 20th. Five short months. Not even, right? Almost five short months. And this is the problem that we face. Stuff is out of control. People need to really realize this stuff, grab their neighbor and tell them. It sounds like a church sermon, but it's true. You know, grab your neighbor and tell them there's a reason for this and help them understand the geopolitics of it and help them understand why they're paying more, why they paid almost, uh, well, many of us did pay $5 a gallon under Obama and never played anything even close to that under Trump. It still amazes me how some people will still opt Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site. 
out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. To vote for the bleeding heart candidate, time and time again. Trump was anti-war, he was pro-gay. I mean, he you would have thought that he would have been the ideal candidate for Democrats and Republicans, in my opinion, the first true independent president. Bucked his own party and definitely challenged the Dems. But no, it wasn't good enough. So now we have Biden, the creator of chaos in chief, Joel Baboso Biden, hurting America a little bit more each day. Anyway, keep it locked right there because when we come back, I want to talk about the... Um, topic that I talked about on Newsmax this weekend, which was the Olympics. And we talked about Marxism as well. But with respect to the Olympics, they're now telling Olympians, well, keep it locked right there. When we come back, we'll dive right into that. I'm Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez on all social media. Make sure you chime in and drop us a note. Thank you for all those reviews, the five-star reviews, the critiques, all of it. We love your feedback and all of your comments. And when we come back, we're going to jump into this stuff on the Olympics. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. Rich Valdez here at Rich Valdez with an S on all the social media at Rich Valdez. And thanks for joining us. Thanks for sticking with us through the end here. This last topic I think you're going to enjoy because, um, well, it's good to know this stuff. And uh, this is from the post-millennial headline, Be quiet about trans people in Olympics, former female Olympian was told. Now, what's uh, interesting here is that, you know, we talked about over the weekend how the International Olympic Committee said they're not going to allow any Black Lives Matter merch, gear, logos, insignia, things like that. No social impact stuff. And, you know, when I was on Newsmax this weekend, I talked about that. This was originally um, something that happened in the 1969 Olympics in Mexico City. And one of the things that they, you know, I'm not going to say outlawed, but banned back then was when Juan Carlos raised his fist in the air in a sign of black power. And Tommy, I'm forgetting his last name, but you can look it up. And this was a huge thing. They made movies about it. There's a documentary on it. Point was... It was wrong then, they said it was wrong then, and it's wrong now. Now, back then, they tried to say that the guy who was in charge of the Olympic Committee was a white supremacist. I mean, this is the same broken record they sing today. But the bottom line is, now we're having new stuff, right? New stuff coming out where uh, Tracy Lambrex, a former Olympic weightlifter, said that female athletes have been approached in private and told not to complain about trans athlete Laurel Hubbard competing against them. The 43-year-old Hubbard is poised to be the first trans athlete competing in the Olympics. And she's going to be competing against biological females in their respective categories. According to the Daily Wire, Hubbard was competing in men's weightlifting before transitioning with surgery in 2013. This year, she will be competing as a woman as long as she maintains a testosterone level of under 10 nanomoles per liter for a whole year before the date of competition and meets other regular requirements. Now, Lembrecht said, 
that she's quite disappointed for the female athletes who will lose out on that spot. She says, we're all about equality for women in sport right now, but that equality is being taken away from us. I've had female weightlifters come up to me and say, what do we do? This isn't fair. What do we do? Unfortunately, there's nothing they can do because every time they voice it, they're told to be quiet. Now, Hubbard has been smashing records since being allowed to compete with biological females in events, setting new world records no less than four times in the past year. Wow, that's a strong trans woman. Legislative bodies uh, the world over are grappling with the issue of trans athletes, many of them deciding that it's unfair to female athletes to let them compete against them in sports. And this is something I've said for a while. I think the, the main thing to do here is say, look, if you want to be a trans individual, male, female, or otherwise, you should have your own category. You know, a biological male shouldn't go and compete against biological females or vice versa, in my opinion. I think they should have a trans women's league and a trans men's league. If that's what they want to do, they should do it their way. Now, I believe we should all, you know, be one. We're all Americans. I believe that. But when it comes to stuff like this, where it's men's sports and women's sports, I mean, these things are already divided for a reason, to make it more fair, to level the playing field. And what this does is it puts a thumb on the scale so that, in effect, you can make it unfair and you can cheat. One time I was hosting a local radio show in New York and a woman called and she said, I'm in my 60s and I play on a seniors team in a basketball league for women. And a trans man has joined their league and she said he's rocking them. He's just knocking them down. He's overpowering them. It's unfair to the women in the league. And I agree with that wholeheartedly and I've never been a woman I've never identified as a senior citizen that plays in a seniors league. But I can say, plain as day, it just doesn't seem right. So all that being said, I think these are the things that we need to pay attention to. We can't just sit here and allow every single institution that we have to be overturned, to be made anew in the name of racial justice, in the name of, I don't know what they call it now. What is it called? Uh, um, gender justice? I don't, I don't know what they call it. But whatever it is, I think we have to always keep our eyes on some part of the whole, some part of the majority that says, you know what? Most people are not trans. Most people are not racists. And if we're not racists and we're not transgender, then maybe we shouldn't be forced to live our lives through those parameters that they're setting out for us. Maybe we don't need this uh, critical race theory. Now, of course, what I'm saying sounds incredibly logical, but they would come and say, well, again, if you're not being an anti-racist, then you're being a racist. But the problem is that's not necessarily true. Right? I mean, if I'm not skinny, does that mean I'm fat? Does it? Of course not. Now, I do happen to be a little rotund, that's true. But I'm saying, generally speaking, for most people, if you're not fat, that doesn't mean you're skinny. And like I always like to say, what I eat is not going to make you fat. So let people do what they want to do as long as it's really not affecting me. The problem is oftentimes the things that other people do does affect us. 
And that becomes a problem for us, for our families, for our communities, for our school systems. And that's why we need to rise up. We need to link up. We need to get together. We need to work together so that we can create networks, so that we can create uh, opportunities for activism, so we can raise money, so that we can make these small little armies of activists that can go to school boards. I spent 10 years as a school board member in Jersey City, New Jersey, one of the more most rewarding experiences of my life. I spent a couple of years working in my state government. I've been involved in political campaigns since 2003 or four. This is stuff that I, I believe in and I've done and I'm at work and talk radio now and do this show and help on a really big show as one of the producers. So my point of all that is you do what you can, but focus on sacrifice. Focus on what you can give up so that you can do more for the cause that you believe in. Focus on what you can sacrifice for your country. Focus on what you can give up to make America a better place. And I'm not trying to sound like Kennedy, but you know what? If the shoe fits, we should all take a page from Kennedy and ask not what America can do for us, but ask what can we do for America. So I leave you with that thought. Because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So don't. Those times are over. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to start banging on some doors, raising some money, creating an organization, making a uh, political action committee, putting commercials on the air. Do whatever it is you've got to do to start winning over the hearts and minds of we the people, especially we the people closest to you. Hasta la próxima. Until next time, America. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 